Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2. We won't go to Luke chapter 2 this time. We'll go to Matthew chapter 2. The Wednesday before Christmas. And so if you are not going to be here, I will say Merry Christmas to you if you aren't going to be here on Sunday. If you're going to be here on Sunday, I am reserving that until Sunday, all right? So that is not for you. Pass it to somebody else. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1 is where we'll be, and uh, we'll start there. And He says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. For when, uh, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Uh, and so here you have, of course, uh, the wise men coming. Uh, it's not told how many there are. Obviously, it's more than one. Uh, and there's, there's these guys, and they're coming from the east, and, and they're uh, from the west, and saw a star in the east, and here they come. Uh, and so they're traveling, they're coming in, uh, and if the star was there when, they were fir- when he was first born, and they found it, and they started looking, and they started traveling, uh, you find out that later that Herod, of course, is going to go ahead and uh, try to eliminate Jesus Christ, and try to eliminate this king that was born. And so they want to go, he wants to go ahead and destroy him. And so what he does is two years and under, he uh, destroys all those kids. He has all those young males killed. And so uh, we understand that this is not uh, Jesus, the baby born in a manger. They don't show up in the manger scene. Uh, it's a little bit later now. And he's a young child as opposed to the babe in a manger. And so here he is. And these wise men show up. And I think it's a good thing to be a wise man. Uh, better than being a foolish man, I believe. Uh, if you want to be one or the other, I'd, I, I'd imagine you'd want to be a wise man and not a fool. And uh, so these wise men show up and they're wise. Uh, they're deemed wise by God, but they're, uh, you know, I get the title of the idea of wise men, but uh, I think they also had great wisdom about them. And I think uh, the truth is that uh, wise men ought to have certain characteristics about them. And I think these men have four things that they do right here throughout this uh, short passage about them and about what they did. I think there's, there's four things I'm going to bring out. There might be more than that, but four things that I would just want to comment on. And I don't think I'll 
really belabor much of anything, but uh, these four men did some things that truly show that they're wise men. And so let's have a word of prayer, and we'll look at these guys and uh, in relation to the birth of the king of the Jews. Father, I thank you for the night, and I thank you for bringing us all here safely. I thank you for Pastor and Mrs. Legault making it safely out there, uh, and I pray you would just bring them home safely to us when uh, the time with their family out there is done. And uh, Father, we pray you would bless our night tonight. I pray you give me wisdom as I speak, and as I preach, help me to say exactly what I ought to say tonight. We pray you'd Use it to speak to hearts. I pray you'd be with each and everyone here that this would be an encouragement and a strengthening to them and help us, Father, to be wise in all of our doings. Lord, once again, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. So here they come, right? And these wise men show up and they uh, show up to Jerusalem and uh, from the east to Jerusalem. And he says in verse number two, uh, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Uh, the first thing I notice about him is that they have set their affection on something above. Uh, they've turned and they've started in the direction of something above. Uh, they've desired to come and worship the king. And they've come to, to do that and they've done it by looking upward. Uh, amazingly enough, they had to look upward to go ahead and notice that he showed up. Uh, it's funny how often, uh, we spend, and, uh, there's a, over at Dr. Howe's, uh, office, I'm, I'm there way too frequently now, uh, but, uh, over there, he's got, he's got one of the posters, right? And it's a posture poster, you know, and, and how much pressure you have on your spine and your neck and things and, uh, all that. And everybody with their head up normal, you know, looking around like you normally would, uh, has very little pressure. And then when everybody looks down at their cell phone like this. It's all sorts of added pressure. Uh, looking down, amazingly enough, the more you look down, the more pressure you get. Uh, the more you look down and the more you look at the things in this world and get rooted and grounded in the affairs of this life and have to get entangled in these things, and we look over all the verses and we look over all the things, too many times, you know what we are? We're too busy setting our affections and our desires on what is here and what we can gain here as opposed to looking upward and setting our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Uh, those wise men, you know what they did? They recognized the fact that here in this life, looking up will guide you to the right things to set your affections on. Looking upward brings you to the place where you can honestly gain the things you ought to gain as opposed to all the things the world makes you think you should have. Uh, our entitlements and our feelings and all of those pieces come together and God says, that's not what I wanted you to have. And we get upset that God didn't give us what we wanted to have. And he goes, yeah, but your affection's in the wrong place. We run to the things we want and the things that we love. And the, our heart tells us these things. And the Bible says, well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we run to those things because we think our affections should be here. And the Lord constantly is a reminder of things above and not on things on the earth. To get us to look upward at what we could have as opposed to looking here at what ultimately, even if we gain, it counts as loss. Isn't it funny? The gains that you make in this life just for this life are counted but loss. We think we're going to attain it and the truth is it's all going to burn. 
it's just, eventually it's just going to be ashes and dust, and ultimately he'll melt that too, and it'll all be gone. And too many times we're focused on what I can gain now and what I can gain here and what I can have, and we love those things, and we waste our time with those things, and we run after all those things, and then God says, yeah, but what about me? What about my desire? Our problem most of the time is not that we have uh, really, we would answer, we, I think everybody in the room would answer, well, yeah, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. I love the Bible. I love church. I mean, you're here on Wednesday before Christmas. I mean, obviously, I would imagine you love church, you love the Lord, you love the book. But the truth is, sometimes we let our other affections get in the way of those things. And we don't love them the way we ought to love them. And we don't look for those things that are above. Instead, we're always worried about what things we can gain here. These wise men, you know what they did? They went ahead and they knew there was a costly trip. In the eyes of the world, this is a costly trip. They're coming from afar. They're traveling. They're making the trip. How many of us, right? How many of us have made a trip, right? It costs money to make a trip. Every time it costs money to make a trip. Sometimes it costs more than you ever thought it would. Uh... And it costs you to make the trip. And now, I mean, fuel prices, well, anyways, um, it costs. And you know what they said? They said, you know what? I saw something up there that's worth my time, my money, and my expenditures. My will and my strength and my, I find that that is worth what I'm about to give. We already know they bring gifts. That was a cost to come to him. The price that they're paying to go is because they set their affections on things above and not on things on the earth. We'd be wise to do the same. Not only that, but he says uh, in verse number number two, he says, uh, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come... And are come to worship him. Uh, his star. Well, a star gives light. Uh, I don't think I have to explain that too much, right? I mean, we could all agree. Uh, a star is supposed to give light until something happens and it breaks down and it turns into a black hole. Anyways, uh, right? Star gives light. That's how they figured out which way to go. Uh, they, they saw the star, so it's shining. Uh, there's a shining star. You say, what do wise men do? They respond to the light given to them. Isn't that amazing? They saw the light. We saw his star and we're come. Why? Because we saw it and we responded to what God showed us. You know what wise men do? Exactly that. The light of the word of God shows up. The light opens up. You start turning the pages. His word is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. He's supposed to be guiding us. He's supposed to be leading us. He's supposed to be directing us. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We keep walking in those ways and in his statutes and in his judgments. Psalm 119, we could go to a million verses, right? Because it's so huge and everything. We get all that light and we get all those things given to us. And you know what we do a lot of times? We get the light, we get the answer, and we go, I want to say, Second opinion. And so the Lord gives us another verse, and we go, well, yeah, but. And he goes, would you just listen to what I told you already? How much light do you have to get before God finally says, okay, that's enough, I'm done? Isn't that what he did to Pilate? 
Gave Pilate just enough. And Pilate looks at him and he says, when's art thou? And all of a sudden, Jesus quits answering him. And Pilate goes, hey, don't you know I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? He says, thou canst have no power at all except that we're given thee from above. And now I'm done talking. Because I've given you enough light, now Pilate, make a decision. You been there? I've been there. Or says, I told you what you need to do. I told you what you need to fix. You know what a wise man does? He takes that light and he says, yes, sir. I know what I need to do and I'll do it. We're oftentimes more foolish than we want to admit. Because he gives us the light and we keep going against it. And we keep fighting it. And we keep trying to. And he says, no, you can walk in light. You go ahead and do it my way. You can listen to me as opposed to keep trying to do it your way. How many times do we keep doing it our way when he says, no, do it my way? It's the, ble- the blessings come when you do it my way. Yeah, I know, but. <laughs> and we walk in darkness. And we walk in darkness because we chose not to follow the light that he gave us. He purposely is giving you light. He's giving you wisdom. He's giving you instruction. He's giving you all those pieces. And he goes ahead and says, hey, here, have it. And you know what we do? We walk into walls as if we're walking around in the dark. We deal with people a lot. And you know what we find? We find that many people, their statement is, well, you know, I'm just really trying to find the will of God. As if God is hiding it on purpose. God, do you not think that God wants you to do what he wanted you to do? Who wants you to do and fulfill your purpose more than he does? I don't know of anybody. He created you for his pleasure. He wants you to bring him pleasure. He wants you to do his will. Why is he playing the shell game trying to act like you don't know? Okay, now pick And if you get it wrong, well, you just weren't paying enough attention to me. Well, no, he wants you to know his will. He wants you to have fellowship with him. And no, see, people go, well, I want to know what I'm doing 20 years from now. The Lord says, you aren't ready to know what you're doing 20 years from now. How about you walk with me today? And oftentimes, that's what we miss out on. We miss out on walking with him today because we're worried about 20 years in the future of what he could do. I don't need to know what I'm doing 20 years in the future, but if I know what I'm supposed to do today, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's take care of today. Because if I get tripped up today, it doesn't matter what he had planned for me in 20 years because I won't make it there. We stumble in darkness here because we want some light out there. That's not the way it works. He gives you light for right here so you can walk where you are. And those steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And you delight in those steps and walk in that way. And you know what you'll find? You'll end where you're supposed to be. I think one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Ruckman was, uh, he may have gotten it from Bob Jones Sr., I don't know. I don't remember for sure. And he said, uh, finish where you're supposed to today and you'll start tomorrow right where you're supposed to be. That's a good, (laughs) say what you want, but that's pretty good right there. If I end where I'm supposed to today, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be right where I'm supposed to be so I can carry on with what he asked me to do. We finish well each day. You know what you'll do? You'll finish your course with joy. You'll finish well. We respond to the light given. You know what we do? We end up in the place where he wants us to be with the light he has given us. 
these men, you know what they did, these wise men? They saw his star and they responded. And they started walking. And they'd see his, and they just kept following that light that they had. Well, I need more light. He only gave them one star. We have seen his star, that's singular. One star. Well, I need more assurance. Well, the signs belong to the Jews. Quit looking for signs. You got one star. Go ahead and run to it. The Lord will take care of that. You trust Him and believe Him. Follow the light that was given. Respond to it. Not only that, verse 2 still. I got four things. Almost all of them come from verse 2, all right? In fact, all of them can be found in verse 2. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So what did they do? They exalted Christ as the king. You know what a wise man will do? He'll exalt Christ as the king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. That's who he is. But oftentimes, you know what we struggle with? We don't struggle with, and I'm not a lordship salvation. He's not lord of all. He's not lord at all. That's not the way it works. There is some truth to that idea. Say, so what's the truth? The truth is, He is the Lord of the universe that will gladly step over when you want Him to and let you take that throne over. He ought to be Lord. He ought to be the King. He deserves the, the absolute reign of every decision you make in your life. That in all things he might have the preeminence. But he's such a gentleman. And he's so gracious to us. And he's so just, he goes, I know I'm, I know I'm the God of the universe. And when I feel like it, I just make your molecules melt. But I'll let you choose. I'll let you choose if I'll be, I'll be the king or if you'll be the king. Now, the problem that you and I have is that we like to be king. I don't know about you. I like to be in charge of my life, my decisions, my choices, what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it because I like to know that I'm in control because I like to be in control. Now, maybe you wouldn't admit that, but that's how you feel. Most of the time, that's how you feel. And you go, yeah, but other people are making choices for me. But you'd make them different if you wanted to. Say, so how do you know that? Because a kid that doesn't like it runs away to make their own choice. Isn't that what they try to do? They try to get out of the situation they're in to go to a different situation to try and make it better. That's their choice. Dumb choice. Not a wise choice. But that's a choice. Run away to try and get what? To get what I want so I can make my own decisions and my own choices. Well, I'm going to go to the far country. I'm going to waste my substance with the riotous living. And I'm going to go ahead and fail and be left in a hog pen. That's the choice they make. Sad reality is, not everybody gets to come home. They've heard it preached so much that you get to come home if you're the prodigal. You always get to come... You always can, but most people don't. 
Most people don't make it back. Not when they make it all the way out there. And I know we all make mistakes and we all fall and we all falter and we all do those things, but it's a whole lot different if you're still around doing what you were supposed to be doing, even when your heart wasn't in it, than being out in the world and doing all the things that they do. It's the rebellion. Too many people are rebellious in heart and show that they, well, I mean, I'm here, aren't I? Okay, you're right, you're here. But if you could have your way, you'd be out there. And whatever's keeping you in, I'm glad you're in. But you better get that heart right and get it back to him being king. Because if you don't, you'll be out there. Well, it's just small rebellions. Okay. Would you take that from your child? Why should God take that from you? I had Uriah today. This proves he's not that good, okay? I let him have my tiny little tablet. He's watching his little show. And Pastor Legault called. We were in my office. And so I turned his little tablet he was holding all the way, way down. He could still hear it, a little whisper. He's all right. And I'm on the phone with Pastor. And as soon as I did that, he reached up and hit the up volume button. And I went, no, sir. And I pumped it down. And I said, you leave that alone or I'll take it. And you know what he did? Back. Well, you say, what's he doing? I'm not going to take that from that little rebellious, not even two years old. Why do you think the Lord ought to take that from you? And then you go, well, yeah, but he's king. He's king when you let him be. The sovereignty of God is true. He is sovereign. He just doesn't execute it all the time. Because if he did, you and I would never make a mistake. You know what they did? They exalted him as king. Because he's worthy. Lastly. See that? Lastly. We'll stay in verse 2, just because I could do it from verse 2, but we can, we're going to look at a couple other verses in the spot. But Verse 2, he says this, uh, see, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and are come to worship him. They worship Christ. If you're going to be wise, you better choose the right one to worship. You ought to worship him. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be praised. You say, how did they do that? Verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I'm not going to cover what all those mean. Uh, we did that in Sunday school if you missed it. Uh, and I'm not going to get into you know, why they gave those or anything like that. This is what I want you to think about. And I'm, and I'm almost done. I want you to think about this. Worship involves humility. He's the king, so I'm humble before my king. At his leisure and his pleasure, I serve. Number two, worship always costs. They brought gifts. 
And sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise, but it always costs something. For them, it was gold and frankincense and myrrh and a long trip to come over. You know what some people think? Well, I'll worship him at my convenience. I was just reading an article. I haven't even read the whole thing. I sent it over so we could see it. Um, they are saying right now, right now in the United States of America, uh, I think if I'm pulling all the numbers right out of my head, I think it was 45% of Americans now meet in church in person. 45%. By the way, you know what I thought was funny? That they were worried about who met in person and not online. Their statement was, in particular, was in person. Not virtual church. How many people actually show up in person? Oh, but don't worry, I'm sure you can worship the same. Anyways, get me started. Because um, it's not the same when you worship at home. Because that's not real worship. Say, so why? Because that didn't cost you anything. Put your shoes on, get in your car, drive over, and come and worship. Or come to worship. I thought it was amazing. 45% is it now in the United States of America that regularly meet to worship. Say, so what is that? Well, I worship at my convenience. The biggest thing right now, according to the article, was these, you know, non-denominational little pop-up churches. They make up, they make up a large portion of this group that goes. And their statement about them was. There is no real commitment to any of those churches. There's no membership. There's no covenant. There's no obligation whatsoever. It is itinerant. It is come and go as you please. You know what Christians want today? Let me come and go as I please. Let me come and go. Let me do this my way. Because if I can come and worship whenever I feel like it, as opposed to whenever God is going to show up and meet with the church as the church, well, then let me just do it my way. And they don't come to worship. They come to socialize. They come to go ahead and make an appearance. They come because they don't want anybody to look badly upon them. They come because, but they didn't come to worship. You know why the wise men came? They came to worship. Say, so why do we meet together? We meet together to come and worship. Say, so how does this worship the Lord? You open up a Bible and you start talking about how he, how he wants things and what he does and why he does and who he is. and You know what that is? Submitting to what the light is because the king said it brings him worship. That brings him worship. And it's not because I said it, it's because he says it. That's his words. We open a Bible and give you his words so that we can learn what he said, so that we can worship who he is. And over 2,000 years ago, he showed up so that he could be worshipped in person. And these wise men show up and they brought him worship. So Sunday... We're going to come together in the morning service and we're going to worship. But I hope that that's not the only time you worship him. I hope, I hope you're ready to come and worship him over and over again. He's a wonderful king and he's never missed yet.
Father, we thank you for the night. We pray you'd bless us. Keep us safe as we go home. We love you. Come back soon, Lord. Take us home in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys have a great night. Get home safely. If we don't see you on Sunday, have a Merry Christmas.